people, welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. I'm your host, Jen Jewell, and I also have a returning co-host joining me today, my friend, Amy Groeschel. And guys, if you don't know, The Messy Table is partnered with our church, Life Church, and our women's ministry called Sisters. A new episode airs every other Tuesday from all the usual places like iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And honestly, our goal during this time is simply to take a step back from the overwhelming busy and crazy of this world, take a deep breath, and instead give ourselves over to intentional conversations about just how God has met us in the trenches and how He's still showing up and doing work in our everyday real lives. These chats encourage us, spur us on, and remind us of the truth, and we just hope and pray that they'll give you a boost as well. So I've always been fascinated with people who are able to find joy in unlikely places. I want to learn from people whose lives have been wrung out and yet they're still trusting God, like Job in the Bible, who might have lost everything we put value in, relationships, possessions, his reputation, but still he praised God. Or like Paul, who was shipwrecked and put in prison many times, yet he said, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. And he continued to preach and share about the scandalous grace and hope we have in Jesus with confidence and passion. And of course, Jesus himself who showed us there's a connection between suffering and the spread of the gospel. Jesus was actually always going against the grain, and I can just imagine him sitting down on that grassy hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee when he preached the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. I bet his disciples thought he might tell them how to make more money or how to be more powerful and prominent. But instead, he motioned for them to come in a little closer, and he said, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of God is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. He went on to say much more, but the point is, he was teaching them the secret of happiness, the key to being content. But it's definitely not what we would typically think. Pain and sadness and suffering are no fun, but it drives us to the foot of the cross in a way that comfort and security and pleasure just doesn't. And let me tell you, our guest for today knows all about this. Mandy Meehan was a thriving newlywed and pastor at Life Church, where her dad, Craig Rochelle, is our senior pastor. When out of the blue, she got very sick. For nearly two years, Mandy has been on a roller coaster with her health, trying to find answers to what was eventually understood to be a chronic illness. And in this episode, Mandy's sharing how she coped with her life getting completely flipped upside down, what she's learned about health, wellness, and nutrition, and how she's fighting back. Y'all, this girl might be young, but she is mighty and has a faith in a God who can move mountains. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Well, hey, ladies. Hello. We're so glad that you're here, Mandy, and I just can't wait to dive into your story. Really excited to get to be on the podcast today. Before we do that, Amy, I just want to touch on the messy table is partnered with Life Church Sisters, and I would just love for everyone to hear some of your heart behind pouring into the women, not only of our church, but really beyond that to any and every believer on the planet, every woman. So what's something that you are just passionate about and you want people to hear? Jen, I love that I have an opportunity to co-host with you and for Life Church to be a partner with The Messy Table. And here's why. The passion that I have for this resource is that these are podcasts of messy stories, messy relationships, and everybody that joins and listens to these, it encourages us. It encourages our stories, our relationships. It builds up our faith. And not only is it a resource for that individual listener, 
But I love that then it becomes a, a resource that we can share with other people to encourage them and inspire them. Everybody needs daily encouragement. The Word of God says to give that daily encouragement that we need it. And I think the messy table is a wonderful tool to build up our faith in our lives and being inspired by other people's messy stories and the way that they lived out their faith. So, yeah, and I love having Mandy on today. No kidding. Is this so fun for you? It's the best. I'm ready. Getting to interview your your baby. (laughs) I got to interview her a couple weeks ago, too, and that was pretty fun as well. So, Mandy, we know you, but not everyone does. Not everyone has that privilege. So would you just real quick introduce yourself, tell everyone about just your life and family and passions, and let us get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Well, my name is Mandy Meehan, and I am married to my incredible husband and my just favorite human on the planet. (laughs) And we've been married for almost two years now, which is absolutely crazy that it's already been that long, but it's really, it's gone by really fast, but it feels like longer all at the same time, just because a lot happens in two years. Mm -hmm. So my husband, he's a youth pastor at Life Church, our church, and we love just getting to serve in youth ministry together. So um, he does that, and I get to serve alongside of him there. And, you know, it's interesting. This is usually something that I don't really lead with, but I know today we're going to be talking about it a little bit. But I am a pastor's kid, and it's cool today having my mom um, being a part of this interview. It really is something that I don't talk about a lot, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm excited for today to have the opportunity to get to share a little bit about that because it is a big part of my life. Further than that, right now, um, we'll get into this later, but over the last couple of years, I've been dealing with pretty significant chronic illness, and because of that, I'm not able to work right now. Um, But before that, I was on staff at Life Church. I was doing youth youth ministry as one of the youth pastors there, and right now, my full-time job is really working on getting better and just recovering, and I'll tell this part of the story down the road too, but um, through everything that I've been through with my health, I started a YouTube channel to really be another way for me to get to minister to people when I'm not able to do that in the workplace or in the way that I was able to do before. So that's really my life right now. I do a lot of crazy things every single day to work on recovering. (laughs) And um, I'm also just filming my journey on YouTube. And that's been a kind of cool kind of almost turned into like a side gig for me um, that I've just gotten Mm -hmm. to do. So, And again, we'll touch on this more later, but it it has been such an amazing thing just to see those doors open up. I mean, kind of a surprise thing that came out of a a bad deal, but there's just like everything with God that he laces everything in just beauty, you know, even whenever there's heartbreak and pain that he brings beauty from ashes. So amen. Absolutely. been a cool thing. So what do you love? What do you hate? Tell us a little bit more. (laughs) What do I hate? (laughs) I don't know about that one. Really, my love for health and wellness and nutrition, all of that has just completely exploded since I've dealt with all these health issues. So that's a huge passion right now. Really, most of my time, my spare time, I spend listening to podcasts on health or reading books or um, just researching. So I absolutely love that. I'm becoming crunchier by the day. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I was thinking on the way here, something that 
a lot of people don't know about me now, which is a little bit weird for me because I was really known for this growing up is that like dance has been a huge part of my life for as long as I can remember. And right now in my recovery process, I've been able to substitute some dance classes a little bit, and I'm just believing I'll be able to dance again as I recover. But that's a huge passion of mine that it's funny that a lot of people don't know now because back in, you know, when I was growing up, my hair was always in a bun. I always had on tights and a leotard. You know, that was mm-hmm. really my life. So um, using dance as worship is a, is a huge passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I don't know. I feel like there's lots of random right. things about me. I like Rubik's Cubes. I'm a big nerd. I love Doctor Who. <laughs> I used to do spelling bees. <laughs> I was a nerdy spelling bee kid. So I'm a pretty big nerd. So Nerds rock, you know. <laughs> For sure. And also rule the world. So it's true. I think it's I think it's a good thing. All right, Mandy. Well, we're gonna chat about your recent journey and the things you faced, the things you've learned. But first, I wanna touch on your childhood. So obviously we love your parents. Most everyone has heard your dad preach, but I wanna know what are some things your parents did either intentionally or unintentionally that when you look back, it just really significantly impacted your life, maybe in ways that you didn't realize then, but you do now. Yeah, there were so many things my parents did that I really appreciate. And our family is definitely far from perfect. And my mom always makes sure that I include that whenever I talk about how great they are. Because really, they they were incredible parents. And I'm so thankful for the way that they led us all the way down to, you know, my mom homeschooled us. We did things really differently. And we really loved um, me and my siblings just embraced being weird and kind of doing things differently from the world. So um, there are a lot of different small things. But yesterday, James and I were having a conversation about spiritual leadership, particularly like the husband leading the wife spiritually and what that actually means, because people say that a lot. But it's sometimes hard to explain, okay, what does it look like to be a spiritual leader? And right, um, practically, Mm -hmm. right, for sure. So um, a friend of James had this great list of three things that this is what a spiritual leader of the household should look like. And whenever I thought about it, I thought, man, these apply so well to parenting. And I really think these three things my parents lived out. So I wrote them down and I give credit to Jason Inman. He's on staff at our church. He's the one who came up with these things. So I just thought they were so good. Jason. Yeah. (laughs) So the first thing is that parents should be an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And this is so huge for the way my parents led me is that they truly did just lead by example. There wasn't any anything pushed on us like you you need to pray this or you need to read the Bible every day. But I really every single day saw my parents living it out. Um, I know many times I remember, you know, very often when you're a kid, you need your mom for something. So one day calling like, Mom, Mom, where are you? And I couldn't, you know, she wasn't answering. So I'd go into her room and I'd find her on the other side of the bed, just on her face praying. And, um, you know, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know, mom spending time with Jesus, like I need to give her her space. Mm. And just that example, um, <laughs> without tearing up, my, my parents really, their example was so inspiring where I wanted to have that too. Um, so that's the first thing is that they should be an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Then the second mm-hmm. thing is they should make you feel safe to open up about your brokenness. And um, I haven't always been the best at opening up. I've definitely struggled with vulnerability at points in my life, but I, I always knew that I could go to my parents and could be broken. And there were just lots of conversations throughout my childhood where I knew it was a safe place to be broken. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And then the last one is that they give you permission to lead and return. My parents didn't do everything for me, but they gave me an opportunity um, to try things and to learn and to fail and to lead. And really, I love those three things that we talked about last night because I think those are the things my parents really did. And I appreciate about how they led and how they parented my family. Lots of Mandy, that's so cool. And on the opening up thing, that's for real. Like the fact that you have a YouTube uh, <laughs> thing right now is so big because she, Mandy was, at least I perceived her to be very private, but I don't know if it's that she was so private and guarded as much as it was that she did s- struggle with self-expression And so it's like been this huge breakthrough and cool thing to see her do quite the opposite and be so open to the world abroad on a YouTube side and and just really sharing anything and everything that she goes through. It's wonderful. So Hmm. I still can't believe how much I'm sharing with the world. Sometimes I forget that people actually watch it and listen to it. So then when they tell me, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. (laughs) You know that story. Put that out. So. You know, on a recent episode, we talked about how vulnerability and authenticity is lacking in this world because, you know, we try to make it Pinterest perfect and we kind of show the best and hide the rest and it's easy to do. And again, I I don't know that we need to like share our deepest, darkest secrets at all times, but there is so much power. I mean, really, that's what this podcast is about. There's power in sharing our stories. And I, I talk to a lot of people who will say, you know, my story isn't powerful enough or it's too bad that I can't Mm. imagine sharing it. But I think most of us fall somewhere probably in between where we have lots of stories. So it might not just be, oh, this one thing that changed my life forever. And some people do have that. Um, But some of us, it's just that, you know, the daily grind. I I went through this with um, my family or my friends or my kids or myself. Um, In this podcast, though, a key verse that we just keep coming back to over and over again is Revelation 12, 11, And it says, it's talking about those in the end who are victorious over our enemy, over Satan. And it says mm-hmm. that they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Right. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And really, every time that you step out, Mandy, and that you share something that is vulnerable to you, but that you do it in the name of Jesus because it can impact someone else. That's you stepping out and saying, I don't love my life so much that I'm afraid to die to myself every day. And I just love that it's it's the blood of the lamb, it's Jesus, but it's also by our testimony and not staying silent. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I first started my, my YouTube channel, people were like, oh, this is cool. I love that you're doing that. But especially my family, my closest friends just could not believe how much I was sharing. My mom, um, she came to me too. She's like, you shared all about these personal details about your health. Like this is so abnormal for you. And really that's a huge part of my story in the last couple years is that It pushed me to learn to be vulnerable, and it's been so rewarding, so rewarding what's come from being open, the freedom that comes just letting that out, but then letting your story help other people too. I'm just, exactly. I'm very grateful that I finally started to open up and talk about it. What do you think kept you from it before? Was it you wanted to stay private? Was it embarrassment? Or was it just you wanted to kind of, like, was it appearance of how you might appear or be perceived? That's a, that's a really good question, and I think there are probably a, a lot of different reasons. Just kind of talking about my childhood and what that looked like and the challenges that I faced. 
there was a little bit of, you know, not being under the spotlight, but kind of being, as a pastor's kid, you're kind of under a microscope a little bit. You know, there's some things that you do need to keep private, um, you know, just to honor your family. And I don't know, I feel like maybe that just kind of spread into other areas of my life. I definitely, in, in some ways, have struggle with the um, worrying about what people think about me and it, that can always be a root of it. Um, mm-hmm. And we can all struggle with that. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I think is a really big part of it is my personality type. I know, I, I know I, I've heard you guys talk about Myers-Briggs on the podcast a little bit. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably a huge fan of Myers-Briggs, but I'm an ENFJ and ENFJs love to be there for everyone, but ha- they generally it's a typical struggle to have a hard time opening up. And I really believe part of the reason why, and not just for ENFJs, but for me, is I put on the burden of other people's um, struggles and what they're going through. I put that burden on myself. And because Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like, I don't want to put, like, I don't want to burden other people with me. So some of it's just a fear of, am I going to be too much? Am I going to, you know, put weight on this person? Because, like, I just want to serve. I want to make people's lives easier. I think, if I really think about it, that's kind of the root of it for me. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that. I'm actually the same letters. And okay. um, so I think you do an amazing job, though, of what I see is that it seems like it's stepping into freedom for you to say, hey, here's what I've gone through. And, you know, if I can die to myself, be vulnerable and help somebody else, then it's worth it. And just kind of not looking back like, God, you got this. I can't manipulate every detail of my life, but I can hand it over to you. I can surrender it and you can use it. And I see you trusting God in those details. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just thinking about our listeners right now and how cool this is to empower and encourage them to just go for it and not let anything, not let fear hold you back from sharing anything um, in a a wise and and trusted setting that could benefit somebody else. And yeah, just to be that vulnerable person that, um, that there is freedom in that and freedom to express what God's work is, even when it's difficult. So um, it's encouraging me listening just to die and live exposed to, because it will bless others when they see how, how we're journeying through it and overcoming and, Mm -hmm. Even just that word exposed that you just said, you know, I think of, obviously this is a different setting, but I think of Adam and Eve in the garden and they were exposed, but that exposure is what brought intimacy. And it's the same thing in our marriages. It's the same thing in our friendships. It's the same thing with our kids. I mean, you could basically take any relationship and we do risk when we expose ourselves in, in an appropriate way, of course. I don't mean bad exposure. Right. <laughs> right. No streaking, everybody. <clears throat> But it really is a beautiful thing, but we have to let that guard down and expose ourselves if you're going to have that intimacy. So it is important. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk about this whole journey you've been on with your health. So you were engaged to the man of your dreams. You've planned the perfect wedding and then out of the blue, you got sick. So how did it start? Kind of tell us about this journey from the beginning to the end. It, <laughs> it's been a long journey, so I'm processing through how I can kind of keep this concise because it, it has been an absolute roller coaster. So, right, and it's really unfair for me to say from beginning to end <laughs> right, because I right. know that we oh, never we'll are the, at the end. We'll start with the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it was 11 days before my wedding that um, I found out I had mono. So that in itself is just a, a crazy couple weeks. 
I was actually on my way to work and I'm like, oh, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm fine. And people were like, go to the doctor. So I stopped by urgent care and this doctor I didn't know tested me for mono and I just thought there's no way. And the poor doctor just didn't know what to do because I'm just in the room, just like breaking down, like I'm getting married in 11 days. Mm. And he's just like, awkwardly and giving me a hug and trying to tell me it'll be okay and I was I just felt bad for him it was just a experience so you know God was so good and the wedding turned out great I was wasn't feeling my best but still had the best day in my life so I got married um still got to go my honeymoon and you know right after my honeymoon I tried to go straight back to work which was a terrible idea I, I remember just you know what at the movie says. I tried to go back at the movie spilled week and was just falling asleep during meetings. I went back to the kid rooms multiple times to take naps and just it was not working. So really over the next six months, the thing about mono, you know that it takes a while for it to fade off and kind of the typical range is like two to four weeks and for some people it can take longer, but you really don't know how long it's gonna take. So we just imagined it was slowly gonna fade off and at some point, it kind of felt like it was getting better and it, it was kind of fading away. But what continued was this persistent fatigue and then some of the flu-like and sore throat and some of like the, the mono really gross symptoms started to go away. But a lot of other symptoms kind of started to come up and some things really started to get worse. And One, growing up, you were athletic. Like you were- Oh, right dancing, you were into a lot of things. And so you know what it's like. I mean, you typically had energy. So it was very clearly different that you had no energy. Oh, absolutely. And it's not your typical, like, (laughs) sometimes when I tell people, they're like, oh, I I just have no idea. You know, I get tired a lot. And I just can't understand (laughs) what I'm like, oh, no, I get like, I struggle with, you know, sometimes being tired before, but it it was just debilitating. Um, Like the worst days were couldn't get out of bed, the, you know, deciding between am I going to shower today or am I going to do the dishes today? Um, so basically, it really came to a point where there was no way that I could work anymore until I got better. Um, and <laughs> in my journey, that was the hardest, probably the hardest thing that I experienced because you knew me when I was on the team at the church. Um, mm-hmm. It was what I was called to and what I loved, Mm -hmm. what I was good at. And, you know, when it's like, okay, it's been six months and things don't seem to be getting better. Like, okay, I I, I believe and have faith I'm going to get better, but what if I don't? And what does this look like? And I think the hardest part, you know, wasn't just like, okay, God's, you know, leading me to a new season away from my job. It felt like I was losing purpose. Mm. Because, you know, I was going from, you know, being a pastor at a church and just thriving to, you know, I'm struggling to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, whew, breathe. <laughs> so that was a, a really, really big and scary moment when I had to step away from the team. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what was so powerful was whenever I came home and... <laughs> Man, usually I don't get that emotional when I do my YouTube videos because I think it's because it's just to a camera and there's not people there listening right away. Like there's not that immediate feedback. This is so much harder. It's, <laughs> it's harder. It's emotional. You're yeah. not alone. I think most people cry and I'm sorry. <laughs> right. No, it's good. It's, you know, we talked about being vulnerable and here it is. So whenever I made that decision to step off the team, 
you know, we both knew that, okay, things are going to change right then and there. Everything from my diet to my habits to um, just knowing that I'm going to have to do things different to not just to feel like I'm making a difference, but to find purpose in life again. So James jokingly, um, I don't, not jokingly, but um, he said, you know, maybe this is time for you to start a blog or, you know, some kind of ministry other than the church or maybe like a YouTube channel like you were talking about. And I was totally like joking about starting a YouTube channel. Like I would kind of joke about like, oh, I would just be such a funny vlogger. I just would like would not be able to make it work because I was watching a lot of YouTube videos when I had so much time off trying to recover. And at one point I told him, you know, if I ever, for whatever reason, had to stop working, I actually think I could maybe do this. And then he told me like, I think you should do YouTube. And I was like, yeah. I should, I can never actually do that. Like I'm way too private of a person. I, I really don't think that's for me. Anyways, really just a couple weeks on the road. I couldn't sleep one night and I just really felt this prompting that I was supposed to start a YouTube channel and sharing my, my story and my journey getting well on there. And so I told myself as soon as you wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to grab your phone and just vlog your whole day and kind of see if you like it or see if it turns out okay. And I almost didn't upload it. I, it was very, very terrifying. It was a very vulnerable <laughs> move for me. But I knew that, you know, God's called me to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ and to help people be the best that they can be. And that was a way that I can continue to minister to people and help people who are in a messy situation like I was right then. So that's when that started. Um, it just, my whole health journey has been wild. So I started YouTube and some things, honestly, my health started to get worse, but really I just, um, was trusting God and trying to stay positive and have hope. And there were a lot of different scary situations. I ended up going to the Mayo Clinic to see if we can get things figured out. There's one trip to the ER (laughs) and then, you know, many other times where it's like, should we go to the ER? But it's, it's just like a crazy thing dealing with chronic illness. There's so many things that will come up day after day after day that are just really scary, but there's just not a lot you can do about it. So um, that was kind of my life for a while. Did you ever get an actual diagnosis? Yeah. So I, I do have a diagnosis. It's interesting because I feel like the names for it are just a name for a big group of symptoms, but thankfully, just recently, I feel like I've really been able to get get down to what is actually wrong. And um, by the grace of God, I have been making progress and like healing is 100% on the way. Just back a few months ago, I mean, it felt like I was dying. Um, I didn't Mm. really tell that to people, but it did. Like that's kind of where I was. So um, the diagnosis that I had was essentially chronic fatigue syndrome, also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis, super long, crazy name, um, has a <laughs> lot of different names, systemic exertion intolerance disease, <laughs> and um, fibromyalgia is also kind of the partnering thing. Really, those two usually go in hand, hand in hand, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. And I mean, really, those are just names for debilitating um, fatigue, the widespread pain, crazy digestive issues, food intolerances, random other things would come up. So it's just basically how I describe it is anything that you can imagine going wrong at some point 
day to day, it goes wrong and you don't really understand Mm -hmm. why. So you get the diagnosis and at Mayo Clinic, that's when they kind of officially diagnosed me, but there wasn't really clear steps of what I can do to recover. And, um, Mm -hmm. through a long turn of events, I was able to learn that it, that it was rooted in my brain and basically mono attacked my brain and caused my brain to cross wire and created like an impairment in my limbic system. And so essentially my brain is sending false messages to my body and creating wow. all of these false, all, all these symptoms. So mm. it's not in my head, like I'm making it up, but it's in my head. And the fact that my brain is creating these problems. Um, yeah. So now knowing that I've been doing something called self-directed neuroplasticity, where it's basically just every day doing things that help my brain rewire. And it's been very, very slow and steady, but I am just so, so, so thankful to say I'm making progress Um, Mm. because the reality is there are so many people around the world that deal with chronic illness, whether the same as me or something else, and they deal with it for all of their life. And Mm -hmm. like that, that could have been me. So Amy, I'm curious as her mom watching her go through this, what are some things that you saw in her? Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know what the question was going to be. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to cry just thinking about anything. Watching Mandy through this whole journey to say she's been inspiring is an understatement because Mandy never complained, not once. She's she's not a whiner, complainer like her mother. <laughs> I get it. I get the <laughs> slightest headache. <laughs> I get a slight headache, and I'm like, wah. But she, um, <laughs> you know, she mentioned a minute ago that she felt like she was losing her purpose when she had to step down, and and we hurt for her the, the throughout this whole journey. But we knew that was the a big blow, and it and it deeply hurt us as well to have her step off the the team for what we thought was temporary, everything that you've got to understand, like, oh, okay, we'll push through this, you know, you've got mono and the wedding, and we're going to push through, we're going to push through, and it's going to get better, and you just think it around the corner, we're just around the corner from she's going to be fine, and it's it's all going to go away and just be that temporary season. And temporary has been the hardest thing of just not knowing how long temporary is going to last. But seeing Mandy's attitude in this and that she's never lost her purpose. She's continued. She just sought God in it, obviously. And and he showed her that she can embrace this and that there's purpose in her pain. And he's used it to, through her, help other people. It, it's been all just God glorifying the way that she submitted herself to him and, and really stepped up in faith to, I think, even saying things like, well, maybe I could start a YouTube. I mean, that's the Lord, how he leads us sometimes with our little thoughts and then someone else, like a husband, nudging and going, honey, I think you should start a YouTube. <laughs> and um, it, it's not been about her, even though it's been her journey and her pain, and she's just made mm-hmm. it. She's just made it about um, her father and knowing him and making him known, and really embracing it. And I'm I've been so blessed to watch her journey through it, as hard as it's been, and and knowing that you know, it doesn't mean that she hasn't had breakdown days, and and we all have in it. But she's just been a beautiful example of how to journey through suffering with the Lord in a way that, you know, it strengthens us. It strengthens those who watch her, and and it's been strengthening and refining in her. And so um, that's what I see. Mm. 
I'm not as close up, but I also just see that. Um, the kids and I, this is kind of a cheesy example, but we were reading this book the other day and it was about a lighthouse and this lighthouse is standing tall on this rocky shore and the lightning's coming and the storms are rolling in and the waves are crashing, but that's when it was the most needed. And again, cheesy example, mm-hmm. I get it. But Thank um, you. But I do think, you know, Craig says it all the time that when the world grows darker and darker, that Christ's light can shine brighter and brighter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we almost want to go, oh, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want people to necessarily look at me. But right. we have to remember, like, th- we are the vessel that God has chosen to shine his light. We are the one. And so I just commend you and just honor you for in the storm. Mm. while you were walking through it, I know that you have made progress now, which is our church has been praying for a long time and it's Mm -hmm. a huge praise. But in it, when no one knew, is she going to get better or is she going to deal with this for a long time? Just the fact that you did stand tall and say, you know what? God has got me and this isn't done outside of his sovereign will. He knows um, and he's with me and he's going to use this was so powerful. Mm, Thank you. If I can jump in and just add on to something my mom was saying, she mentioned a couple times that I've been kind of embracing my season and letting God use it. And there's this, this phrase that's kind of been my message really throughout this whole journey. And the reality is I haven't always embraced it. I haven't always embraced the pain and said, okay, God, like you have a purpose in this and I want you to use it. And I have always, you know, I I really do have a strong relationship with Christ. And from the beginning, you know, from having mono while I was getting married, you know, we really held on to God's word saying that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I've always believed that. But honestly, I would say in the first six months of my illness, I wasn't embracing. I was really just enduring. And how I would Mm -hmm. describe that is just kind of waiting for the season to be over. You know, it was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to make a big deal about this. We're just going to let this season pass. And then I'll be back to normal. I'll be back at work. I'll be back running super fast paced the way I used to. And, you know, I was just hoping it would be a short season that I can kind of deal with privately. And really, like, during that season, that was the most depressed I'd ever been, the, the most anxiety I'd ever had, and um, the most isolated, too, I'd ever felt. And so I kind of talked about that transition when I stepped off the team. I realized that I, for a while, was just enduring, and things really had to change, and I needed to start embracing. And I know Tina Letourneau, I listened to her podcast that you guys did just recently. Um, her husband, Charlie, he's the one who first kind of just in a conversation talked about the difference between enduring and embracing. And I said, that's it. That Mm. is, that's what I'm learning. That's what I'm doing right now. Because like enduring is passive, but embracing is active. And embracing is saying, God, I know that you have a purpose in my pain and you work all things together for good. And I'm not just going to sit back and just let life go by. But first of all, I'm going to do what I need to do to get better. I'm not just going to wallow in my pain and wait for it to go away. I know that there are things I can do through um, wisdom from doctors and um, counselors and from, you know, seeking Jesus that I can do things that can help me improve. But also, I don't need to wait until I'm over to have the story to tell. I can tell this story now. And it's been incredible to see since I've decided to embrace it. YouTube is just a great example I've been able to um, help people literally all around the world. You know, it's not like that big of a YouTube channel or, or anything, but 
the chronic illness community is the most depressing community I've ever seen because doctors tell them that they're crazy and that they don't know what they're talking about and it's all in their head and they don't have the support that they need and they don't have the tools to get better and they're told that they may just have to deal with it for the rest of their life and that is a very isolating place that's a horrible place to be so to be able to come in and just share the light of Jesus and share the hope that we can have and of course my love for how you can use diet and supplements and meditation and all these things to help your body heal it's been so rewarding and I'm so grateful I got over my ego really and just started (laughs) to be vulnerable it's been so so rewarding So Mandy, I know this is kind of a hard and deep question, but I found that most people really struggle with it and I would love to hear your thoughts. So how have you wrestled with the question about God either causing or allowing this to happen? Because we know that God is sovereign. We know he's over all things. And we do know we live in a fallen world, but how have you kind of wrestled through that and where have you landed? That is a really, really good question. And it's it's hard because we we can't really know. I know that spiritual warfare is such a big thing and it's, you know, the spiritual world is more real than the world that we're in right now. But it's funny, a lot of people have said, you know, oh man, I just, I feel like this is really Satan trying to keep you from doing God's work or, you know, God, Satan's just trying to hold you back. And, you know, some of that's probably true, but you know, I I almost honestly rather would believe and lean on the side. And I know people think this is crazy, but that, you know, God's led me through this for a reason. And I think back to a couple of years ago when we were in the, in the series at church called Dangerous Prayers. And one of the prayers that we prayed as a church and even, you know, my dad said, okay, if you're, you don't want to pray this prayer, like you don't have to, but the prayer was break me. And I remember, <laughs> um, really just like telling the Lord, like, okay, God, I I don't know what this will mean. I don't know what it'll look like, but I do want you to break me because I really believe that there's purpose in pain and that what I've really learned is that there's so much beauty that comes from pain, especially when you're seeking God and just letting him work through it. So, um, it's crazy if I think about praying that prayer, it was just a few months later that I got mono and my whole, <laughs> the whole story started. And, you know, I really don't know, did God cause this? You know, obviously he allowed it, but I am so, so thankful. Mm. Um, Making me cry over here, yeah. Mandy. <laughs> uh, it's so hard um, doing it in front of my mom too, looking over her. Deep breath. We're good, but I would never, ever, ever wish what I've gotten through upon anyone. Because really, I mean, it's it's horrible to deal with, but it's also like, you know, like honestly, back in November, before I started my program that's given me progress, I mean, I was, you know, looking at getting a handicapped parking spot and using the motorized mm-hmm. grocery carts at the, golf, at, the, at the golf store, at the grocery store. And it just looked like things were going downhill. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I just got to say, it's been really, really hard. But the the ministry and what God has done, um, how I've been able to just have this intimacy with Jesus that I didn't have before, and the way that I, like, now, can't, I can't even tell you how many, like, messages I've gotten from people that have been recovering from chronic illness 
just because I've been able to be, you know, like a voice and influence sharing what I'm doing, like knowing that I'm helping people like have freedom in their health, no regrets because all of that has been so, so worth it. So Mm. sorry, it's hard to, (laughs) hard to talk when you're emotional, but, um, it's, no, it's great. As hard as it's been, I'm so thankful for this season. Well, and really this has fueled some of your kind of newfound passion. And so I'd love for you to tell us what you're passionate about even more so now. I know you told me that um, it can be hard to lead and love well when you're not well yourself. And so you're really passionate about health and wellness and nutrition and all of those things. So I would love to hear more about just what fires you up now in this season. (laughs) Yes. So I can rant about this for a really long time. And I told you I'm getting crunchier by the day. (laughs) Um, So know, kind of a becoming a little bit of a hippie, but <laughs> um, so it's crazy if you look at where we're at in the world today. There are so many people who deal with chronic illness and autoimmune disease, and that's something that I really, really care about. Having been through that, so I love now getting to have a you know a little bit of a platform where I'm getting to share what I'm learning through all of that. But um, really, even big picture, when I look at the, the whole population, I just really believe that. We're digging our own grave with our fork and knife and that Mm -hmm. food can heal us or food can hurt us. And um, for a lot of people, it's hurting us, not just food. We've got so many environmental factors and every single day I'm learning more and more about how things that we think are normal are hormone disruptors or are um, just affecting, you know, our mood and our digestion and everything. And it really in a way scares me seeing that where we're headed today. And I, I just look at the world and see, you know, how there's so many broken systems. Um, Satan is attacking so many areas and like medicine and food is such a huge part of it because we're going down this path where we're overfed, but undernourished. Um, you know, most of the world, especially in America and it's so normal to have so many health issues, whether it's autoimmune disease, whether it's ADD, ADHD, Alzheimer's, bipolar, you know, all of these things like back just a couple hundred years ago weren't a thing. So this is an area I am so passionate about. And uh, there's so many like myths out there when it comes to health and nutrition. And I'm just so excited to help educate people because I know how freeing it can be to be able to make those changes. So, I mean, there's so much I can talk about there, but it's something that I really, really care about. But, um, you know, I don't know. What's like one of your biggest tips that you could give us? Just I know that's on the spot right now. But what's one thing that you're like, you have to know this? That's a good question. Something my husband says a lot when it comes to food, just to make it really, really simple, is to eat real food mostly vegetables and not too much. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I like that because it's simple. I think food is really, really huge. It's one of like one of the biggest things that impact your life, but there's so many things. And one thing that I really care about right now, because it's what's been leading me towards healing is just your mindset. Um, I talked a little bit about self-directed neuroplasticity and it's a lot to explain in this podcast, but for the last five months, I've spent at least an hour a day doing almost like a meditation in a way, but it involves visualizations and prayer and affirmations. It sounds so weird when I say it out loud, but I'm not kidding you whenever I tell you that a couple days into that, I felt the biggest shift in my health that I felt in this whole journey. So, um, mindset, whether you're sick or not, 
Um, the thoughts that you think literally do change your life. And I know sometimes we hear these things, but I mean, it is scientific and I feel mm -hmm. my brain changing whenever I literally renewing my mind. Like it's so biblical that we need to be fixing our thoughts on things above and not on earthly things. And back in November, I was struggling to function. I felt like things were getting worse. I really would see the older ladies at the grocery stores driving in those little motorized grocery carts. And I think to myself, I think I might actually need it more than they do, but I have too much pride to actually use it. And now I'm made like horrible to be thinking that at my age. <laughs> but, you know, I've made incredible progress since then. And every day my baseline's growing and that all comes from mindset and all of that lines up with God's word. So I know mm -hmm. that's a couple of different things I threw out there. That's so good. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, a friend, and we were talking about how, I don't know when this happened, but there's this weird thing going on in our society where busy is the crown. Like, mm. oh yeah, we're just so busy. We have so mm -hmm. much going on. And it's, you know, it's almost like a crown of importance or something. Right. Um, but it almost feels selfish whenever you take time out for you, like even just saying it, like take time for me. And I don't mean right. like, you know, to go whatever. I don't even know. I don't mean to do something weird and crazy, but just <laughs> the basic stuff of sleep and eating right and taking time to be still and quiet and exercise and right. think, you know, real thoughts and not just be going, going, going all the time. Do you see that a lot to where that's kind of a thing? 100%. Before I got sick, really, I was not taking very good care of myself. I mean, I think back about what I was doing, and I thought of myself, you know, as a healthy person, I was eating pretty well. I was getting up at 6 every morning to go to the gym and go work out. But the thing was, like, on my days off, I wasn't taking time off. Like, my day off, I was still watching backstage time from church, and I was, mm -hmm. you know, practicing my communication with friends, and I'd be off at church on one day, but I would be at another campus instead. I was just going, going, going so hard and was not taking care of myself. And then, so that was my life back then. And then all of a sudden I found myself struggling to do the, the bare minimum. And um, just like you shared and just like what I've talked about is you can't love well, you can't lead well, you can't serve well if you yourself aren't well. Literally been forced <laughs> to learn to take care of myself if I ever do want to get better and get back to where I was before. And that hasn't been easy because my, my instinct is to, you know, I want to take care of other people first and not take care of myself. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've had to, so mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, means, important. It mean, that means saying no to a lot of things, you know, only saying yes to the, the best things and the things that are, are most important. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of examples of what that looks like, but 100% I've had to learn that and it hasn't been easy, but it is necessary. And Mandy, when, when I look back, I think, oh gosh, we did not get on you enough to like make sure that you rested well in, in that beginning season. I don't know what that would have done, but it, we shouldn't have allowed you to even go back to work. You did not probably nearly rest the way that you should have. And that makes me think about too, the question of the causing and the allowing and, and going, and this is fitting into the passion question. Like we really do have to have a passion for wisdom, knowledge, 
good discernment and not blaming God as the cause for everything because right. sometimes it is our own. The Bible says many times in Proverbs, I pulled up a few verses, uh, Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. We die for lack of knowledge, for lack of sense, for being stupid. We uh, <laughs> Proverbs 5 says for lack of discipline, people die. They're led astray by their own great folly. We we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. We know we should rest, but we don't. We know we shouldn't eat too much sugar, but we do. And we just continue to kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. And so I think it's like, do what you need to do, like what you, what you know is right. I thought it was funny when we were on vacation and we were at this gymnasium and all of these people came in to sit down at a little seminar that was in the gym setting to listen to, you know, how to get healthy and and be fit. And, but it was a little ironic because it's like, forget the seminar, just get up and come join us working out in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Learning is good, but you have to apply it. That would be what I would say. It's like, do what you need to do. Um, Do what you know is right. Don't just learn things and then not do them. And I think, I mean, I've been the guilty one too there. I've disobeyed and known that, gosh, if I want to get over my chronic inflammation and infection, I've got to quit the carbs and the sugar to to really heal. Yet, what do I do? I just, I think, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. And then I then I right. start I start eating it. Guilty. Yes. And so it's like, is God causing that or am I causing that my, <laughs> when I get flamed up and my symptoms? Right. So we're just disobedient sometimes, um, to tell you the truth. (laughs) For sure. I think that's a great definition of discipline is I've heard it described that way, doing the things you know you need to do, even when you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, the root word of passion, like when we think about the passion of Christ, it's actually found in a Latin word that means suffering. That's Mm -hmm. where passion comes from. And so I think a lot of time our suffering is what develops our deepest passion. Like I think about mm-hmm. just Life Church in our church that was rooted on a passion that came from really not only suffering before without Christ, but then Christ suffering. And that's where that passion comes from for us to reach people who don't know Christ, who are far from Christ. Yeah. And so I think that you're doing that. And we could talk about this all day all long. Day. I know that you have so many amazing things. So I'm just going to point people to Mandy Meehan, your YouTube channel. Go there. I'll have it linked up in the conversation notes on my blog. Um, and obviously you can just Google her or look her up on Instagram. But um, so much good stuff. Be sure you go back and hear it. And Mandy, I want to know if you have any other just favorite resources, whether that's books or podcasts or other YouTubers, whatever it is, do you have anything that you want to share with us? That's a little bit of a hard question because I'm such a learner and always have a new book or a podcast or YouTube or whatever that I'm learning from. But I would imagine that there may be some people listening that do have some kind of chronic health issue. So I want people to get better. So I'm going to point to a couple things that have been really helpful to me. And the first one is a book I've read recently. And I as soon as I finished reading it, I kept going back day after day after day to learn more. And that's the book Dirty Genes by Dr. Ben Lynch. And I have just been obsessed with learning about genetics and how, you know, we can have different genes that predispose us to have different health issues. But what we know now is that our genes aren't fixed and we have the ability um, based on our lifestyle factors to turn on and off certain genes. So that book has been game changing for me to understand why I've had the problems that I've had. 
And then the program I'm doing right now that has just been completely game-changing when it comes to actually making progress. It's been um, really helpful for people with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, multiple chemical sensitivities, Lyme disease, POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. <laughs> Another long one. Okay, and so not the other kind of POT. That's good. Yeah, not the other <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a condition. Um, but it's been very, very helpful for those kinds of issues. And the program's called Dynamic Neural Retraining System. And the website is retrainingthebrain.com. I've met people randomly who've come to me and said, you, sh you shared about it on your YouTube channel. I started six weeks ago. I've been dealing with Lyme disease for 10 years, and I'd say I'm 90% better, like crazy stories like that. And, you know, for me, I've wow. seen progress. It's been slow and a little up and down, but it's progress nonetheless. So I can't not share that. But there's so many great resources. The Messy Table, make sure you subscribe to this <laughs> so you can get Aww. all the updates. Um, make sure you've got the YouVersion Bible app. Those are the essentials. So... <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> You're awesome. Well, do you have any final word of encouragement that you just want other women, girls listening to hear? For sure. So I just know that there's, there's going to be very many people out there listening that are in a really hard season, whether it's a health issue or a marriage issue or a friend issue or you're just struggling with anxiety or depression or something. I just want people out there to know that they're not alone and that God loves them and He has a purpose in their pain. And I just hope people know that there is so much beauty that can come with pain if they just embrace their season and let God use it. And I really hope people know too that I, mean, I truly believe no matter what you're going through, either you can always make some kind of progress because I see so many people, whether it's a health issue or an addiction or something else, they think they're trapped and they think there's no way they can ever get out. So I just encourage people to talk about it and to know that they're, they're God's masterpiece and He's created them to do great works that He planned for them to do long ago. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that God works all things together for good, there is a purpose in your pain, and just have hope knowing that things can and will get better. But in order for that to happen, you have to have hope and you have to have discipline doing the things you, you know you need to do even when you don't feel like it. Mm, so encouraging. It's good, Mandy. So great. I'm just so thankful and honored for you to just take the time to come on to share a piece of your story. I know it's going to be really, really impactful to so many. I'm just so, so grateful to have the opportunity. So thank you for having me on. All right, guys. Well, I told you she was awesome. So thank you again, Mandy, for joining us. And thank you to you for being here, for tuning in, for sharing with your friends. And to those of you who are able to leave us a review in iTunes, we love you extra and so appreciate it. Remember, you can subscribe. It's the easiest and best way to stay caught up. You can also catch the conversation notes from this episode at ginjul.com. You can find the Messy Table Podcast on Instagram and Mandy Meehan on YouTube. And please, please know, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're facing, you have a God who loves you, who is for you, and who is able to carry you through.